Welcome to Follow the Friends. My name is Kristen, and about a year ago, my husband and I decided to embark on a foster care journey. Since then, we have taken baby after baby into our home, and we are thrilled to share our journey, as well as some questions you may have about foster care with anybody interested in listening. So tune in and pull up a seat as you get to glimpse into our daily lives as foster parents. Hello, hello, and happy Monday. I'm actually recording this on Monday, the day that this episode is supposed to be released. So here's hoping that everything goes well. Um, I'm just a little behind in life because I was really hoping I'd be able to get Houston on this episode, and it just didn't work out. So you guys get to listen to the lovely old me um, as I break down Uh, kind of a big question that I feel like people have a misunderstanding about. And I thought would be a really great topic to just break down for you guys today. So I'm going to be talking to you guys about what a case plan is, and what that means, or how that pertains to a foster child. And there's really two types of case plans, or two goals that can be set for case plans. And that is unification and severance. So I'm going to start off by talking to you just a little bit about what a case plan is. So when a child is removed from their home, they are taken into the custody of the state. And almost about a week later, you all have court. And in that court hearing, the parents are served with why their child was removed, whether that's neglect or abuse. And the parents are essentially charged with that neglect or abuse. And then there's evidence regarding that, that the state has for removal. So mom and dad have two options at this court date. They can either accept the allegations that have been brought against them So let's say mom and dad are being charged with abuse. They can either accept, yes, you know, there was abuse in our home. We would like to move forward towards the case plan, whatever that case plan is, or they just agree to the state's terms, Um, or they can contest. So when you contest or when parents contest, they're essentially saying that there's been wrongful removal of the child. So maybe the state suspected abuse, but the parents are saying, no, there is not abuse in our home um, and your evidence is not substantial enough. So if a parent contests, that means they are rejecting the case plan and they're rejecting the state's allegations for removal and they will actually go to trial against the state. And if they win in that trial against the state, the child is immediately placed back with their parents and in their home. If they um, lose, obviously they then have no other choice but to accept the status of the case plan and to move toward or move forward with that case plan. So nine times out of 10, when a child has been removed from the home, the case plan automatically gets set to what is called reunification. In a nutshell, reunification stands for 
um, the state and the foster family and the parents all working towards the goal of getting that child back home. Now, reunification is almost primarily always the goal of the court and the state because even though the child may have been removed because of severe circumstances, there's always the hope that with the proper support and resources that maybe those parents will be able to turn things around and that that child will be able to go home to, to their either their parents or close family. And to be honest with you guys, that as a foster parent has to be your primary goal. So when a child comes into your care, it has to be your initial gut instinct that you desire that child to be reunited with their family. Um, I think this is something I was actually super surprised about with myself. When we went through the classes um, to become foster parents, they kind of talked about how you really need to work towards having compassion for these families and having a heart for these families. Um, And they talked about how that can be really challenging and also it can be difficult to want reunification. And I'm not going to lie to you, that's absolutely true. However, I will say I... I think naturally, and maybe this is just me, so take this with a grain of salt. I think naturally there is a desire within your heart when you receive a child for them to be able to go back home. I know for me, every single time a baby was placed in our arms, parts of my heart would just ache for the fact that they could not be with their moms or their dads. And I remember just feeling this overwhelming grief and thinking of, especially I think for myself, thinking of the mothers that wouldn't be able to spend that night or that day whenever we would get them with their child and just really feeling such pain over that. Um, And I think that pain and that grief that I would experience really would motivate me towards making a connection with bio mom or bio dad and, you know, working towards having a positive relationship because ultimately that's going to be what's best for the child long-term. Obviously, if it's a safe and healthy relationship, I think that's important. Um, But also, I just think practicing compassion for people who are in such a different place in life than you are. I think too, as foster parents, this is something that's so important to remember. We only get like the tiniest of snippets of what has truly happened in these people's lives that has led to you housing that child. So I know for me, they give us the baby and then they tell us, the only the things that we need to know that pertain to that child. And so we get snapshots or tiny little pieces of what has happened or gone on in those parents' lives that has led to this child now needing a foster parent. And the truth of the matter is that is just such a small fragment of 
what has gone on in their life that it is so hard for us to even begin to know um, where they have been or what they have gone through. And so I just try to always remember that there's so much I don't know. And I just can't even imagine some of the heartaches some of these people have gone through. So I just think keeping compassion in the forefront of our minds and really truly praying for our heart for reunification is the best way to enter foster care. Because when all is said and done, that is truly what's best for the child if their parents can provide a safe and loving environment. It doesn't matter if that environment is up to the standards you have. It's whether that environment is up to the state standards and um, being able to let some of that go uh, so that they can have that reunification, that bond, and that family is really, truly essential. Sorry, that's a long tangent off on reunification. I just think it's really important. Um, so I, like I said, nine times out of 10, a case plan is set towards reunification. What that means is that the state is going to provide services or resources for the parent to participate in or accomplish in order for them to show that they are ready to have their child back. So let's say maybe they had drug addiction. They may, uh, may not may, they will need to go to rehab and provide um, testing and show that they are sober and maintaining sobriety. And that of course is going to take time. Um, they also will need to participate in maybe some childcare classes or classes on, you know, how to care for a child um, like I said, they're going to have to prove sobriety in order to have a parent aid, and they're going to need to test out of their parent aid classes. There's there For some of them, they're going to need to have uh, their own stable housing. I'm sorry, you guys. People are texting me, and it's so loud through my laptop. Um, but for most parents, they're going to have to show that they can provide their own independent and stable housing. They're going to have to provide... Um, or show that they can keep employment and make enough income to be able to provide for their family and their child. Uh, if they're in a abusive relationship or a relationship that's been very unhealthy for the child, they're going to have to show that they can separate from that relationship and um, go their own way. There are going to be multiple steps that are essential for them to achieve in order to show that reunification is even a possibility. That entire time that's happening, that child's in your home and they're having visits. So the parents don't even begin the reunification case plan until after that they've had that initial court date and the child's been removed and the child is in your home. So for most of these parents, this case plan is going to be a decently long commitment. So um, especially if there's been drug addiction, they're going to have to complete rehab and then be able to show, usually I think they want like six to nine months of sobriety. Um, and then of course they have to show whether they can maintain housing for a set amount of time, uh, whether they can maintain a job for a set amount of time. A case plan is not ever a short 
thing. I mean, there's obviously exceptions to that because every single case is different. But for the most part, a case plan that's set is is going to take a good amount of time to achieve prior to reunification. And then once the parent has met most of those things or goals, then there's usually a team meeting where the decision to reunify is set and they then start implementing a plan in place to transition that child back home. And that transition can sometimes take three to six months. Um, It can also be quicker than that. But it really depends on the parent and how unsupervised visits are going because the parent will go from visits with a case aid or a parent aid to partially unsupervised visits, completely unsupervised visits, maybe overnights. Um, and then it, they'll gradually work that child into fully transitioning home. So it's really a long process. And I think that that's somewhat confusing to people outside of foster care because they either think that they're going to be going home in like two days or, you know, you're keeping them forever. But the truth is just because you've had a child for a year, it doesn't mean that the case plan working towards adoption. Um, the case plan could be, you know, reunification and things are going well. So of course the case is, uh, the court court is going to, or state is going to want to work towards reunification or severance. Um, really permanency is what they're looking towards. So maybe they want them to be able to go home with family or they're really feeling like an adoptive placement is going to be the best end result for this child. Uh, They are going to work towards permanency as quickly as they can. However, the state is going to give the parents as much um, time and opportunities as possible without, you know, hopefully um, sacrificing, you know, too much time for the child because that can be hard over time. Um, I have found with infants that they tend to try and move the case towards permanency I think I think quicker than that of older kids because they're trying to establish permanency before they are really starting to have concrete memories of what's going on. So I know they usually tend to try to have permanency established or um, a great goal of it um, by 18 months or after 18 months time in care. And so that does tend to be, I think, a quicker process with infants because of that. So there are a few exceptions that there can be to reunification. Obviously, I said like nine times out of 10, when a child is first removed, the case plan is set to reunification. An exception to that can be, let's say mom has, I'm saying mom because it's usually moms um, and not dads, but let's say mom has a history with DCS. Um, maybe she's had multiple children removed already. Um, and a a history of drug abuse or a history of just abuse with her children or a history of being in an abusive relationship. She can't leave. There is a familiarity with DCS. So DCS has a history and has, let's say, been watching her when that next child comes into care should they feel like nothing has really changed in mom's situation, 
They can choose to what set and plan, set in uh, set in place a case plan called a concurrent case plan. What that means is that the case plan is really working towards two things. It's working towards reunification as well as it's working towards severance and adoption, which sounds very confusing, but in a nutshell, what it is, is they're going to be making efforts and providing services to mom um, as if they're working towards reunification. But at the same time, the state is being very realistic that mom may not follow through on any of those things or dad, obviously, whoever is involved in this. Um, And because of that feeling or because of whatever may come up in the case, they're already putting things in motion to be able to transition the case plan from reunification to severance. Um, So when it's a concurrent case plan, they're essentially setting it up so that should mom or dad not be really participating in any form, they can fast track the case to severance. And then therefore they want to have a plan in place as far as um, having an adoptive placement for that child. So a concurrent case plan can be an option. Um, I don't know a whole lot about concurrent case plans because they're usually set up under more complicated circumstances. Um, From what I do know is they usually set that in place, like I said, when they think um, mom or dad may not be participative and they want to be able to have the motion in place for them to be able to change the case plan from reunification to severance. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break and then when I come back, I'm going to break down what a severance case plan is for you guys and I'm also going to give you a little update on where we are with um, one of our boys. Okay. Okay, I'm back. All right, so now I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to talk about Um, what severance can look like as a case plan. So like I said, most of the time, the case plan starts out with reunification. The state has to, from the goal of reunification, they have to prove that it is necessary for the case plan to be transitioned to severance. You can Google this um, in the state of Arizona there are certain things that have to happen in order for them to be able to move a case plan from reunification to severance. And they have to have evidence to support that move because essentially what happens is they have to charge the parent with severance. Um, So severing of their rights, that means removing their rights as their biological parents and giving those rights over to someone else. So, They have to be able to prove that it is necessary and in the child's best interest for the case plan to be changed from reunification to severance. And like I said, they have certain stipulations or benchmarks for that. Um, Like off the top of my head, I think one of the first ones is if like the parent has been non-responsive for six months, for example, not as showing up to court 
not showing up to visits, not participating in any services. They pretty much just go MIA. Um, I believe the state can, after six months, charge the parents with severance. And should they not show up to that hearing, that court hearing where they would charge them with severance, the parents' rights would be severed automatically. And I think the basis for that is just pretty much abandonment at that point. So again, that's kind of showing you that it would be a minimum of six months before severance would even be charged to the parents. Now, here's the deal. When a parent is charged with severance, at that court date, if that parent or parents, if those parents do not show up, severance is automatically like enforced. So should your parents of your foster child not show up to the court hearing where the uh, court or state is going to charge them with severance, the court can automatically rule to sever their rights right then and there. So that's pretty significant. And I think that's really important to know because that day can be pretty scary. If you know it's coming, you know that whether the parents show up or not is pretty essential to what's going to happen. Now, let's say the parents show up to that court date and they're charged with severance. Again, mom and dad can either choose to accept severance and move forward with severing their rights, or they can contest it. Most parents usually will contest severance. I shouldn't say most because I really don't know. I'm just saying from like my perspective, um, it seems like if a child or if a parent did not want their child or to lose their child, they would obviously contest. When a parent contests severance, it's like the start of the case plan, essentially. Once they contest, um, they then will go to trial against the state, um, saying that the state has, you know, charged them with severance, but they think that it's, you know, unfair of the state to charge them with severance. So after that happens, they will have to go to trial. And this is a long process. So there's usually the court date where they charge the parent with severance. And then everything stays pretty much normal. Like the parents are still receiving services. Visits still continue. It doesn't matter that your case plan has switched to severance at this point. What matters is what the parent is doing this during this time. So even during the switch of severance. If your parent makes a complete 180, the case manager and the state and the court can choose to change the case plan from severance back to reunification. So let's say you had a parent who had been MIA and they hadn't been showing up or doing anything, or let's say they didn't really spotty or inconsistent and they're charged with severance, and that is like the snap or kick in the pants that they needed to turn things completely around and really commit or show consistency, that can be, after a few months' time, enough for the court to decide that maybe they need to change the case plan back to reunification. I'd love to sit here and tell you that like it's more concrete and that once you go to severance, it's at severance, and there's nothing that changes that, but that's absolutely not true at all. I've heard of cases where um, they've actually made it all the way to the severance trial and the court has motioned to change the case plan back to reunification and reunification has happened a few months later. 
So there's really no guarantee and there's really no promise. Even if a case plan has changed to severance and it's looking like, oh yeah, rights are going to be 100% severed and this child is going to need an adoptive home, there's such a strong chance that things could change. So I just think it's important to never be married. This is another like tangent. Never be married to whatever your case plan is. So never be married to the fact that it it's reunification. So if it's reunification and the state tells you up and down, yeah, this kid is going home, this kid is going home, you're going to want that, vote for that, wish for that, for that child, because if that's the best situation, that's what you want for that child. However, keep tucked in your mind, okay, but mentally you do need to be prepared if something, if it goes a different way, because I've seen a bunch of reunification cases that have turned out to happen the opposite. And then I've also seen cases that were totally set for severance and things seemed cut and dry. And next thing you know, things were getting motioned back to reunification. So I just think it's important to understand that in foster care, you can think you know what's going to happen. And the truth is you don't. You don't know what's going to happen. You have no clue how things are going to fully play out. You cannot plan in foster care as much as we all would love it to be able to plan. And as much as the case plan seems like it should be able to give you some comfort that you know what's happening, it's really, it's not. There is no plan. (laughs) Just know that. There really is no concrete plan, and you just have to be open to whatever God hands you. So once parents have been charged with severance, parents are given a pretrial. There sometimes can be two pretrials. Pretrials are short. It's essentially you walk in, and they talk about when trial is going to be and give you a few details, and then it's pretty much over. And then they'll set what's called an official severance trial date. At that severance trial date, um, they go to full court um, with the parents. So that's when um, the case managers will have people come up and testify against the parents, um, or the state will. And the case managers are usually testifying against the parents. The parents can have people testify on their behalf. Um, Severance trials, I've heard, are usually long um, processes. Usually they're they can be three to four hours. Um, sometimes they can continue. So maybe they won't have enough time in that day. Um, they can continue on until another court date. Um, it's not a simple court day, and it's not a simple process. So severance trials, It the, once that date's set, you go into severance trial, and that's when they have that big day of really showing the evidence, and then the judge ultimately has to decide. So your parents can come in with their lawyers and they can fully fight in trial. Your parents could walk in and waive their rights and say, you know what, we were coming into trial, you know, we were contesting all along, but ultimately maybe they know in their hearts they're not going to win, and they can choose at that point to waive their rights. And if they choose to waive their rights, then it's essentially over. Um, They will move forward with severing their rights. If parents go to full-blown trial against the state um, and we have that long trial day, um, the judge is ultimately the one who has to make that decision. The judge has 60 days to decide. So let's say you go to your severance trial, you really don't know who's won. Um, The judge will have 60 days to make a decision on whether 
he believes it's in the child's best interest to sever the rights or not. And obviously that's based upon substantial evidence and the state's whole history with the parents and everything else that goes into that. Um, at the end of those 60 days, he can make his decision or she, depending on who your judge is. And the judge can say, yes, I'm going to sever these parents' rights or no, I'm not going to. If the judge decides not to sever the parents' rights, then there is a potential that the children could be going home to those parents shortly thereafter. Um, so should they lose that severance trial, then things the, the state can ultimately, um, the judge can even make the ruling that the ch children should go back to their parents. That's not like 100%. I've heard of this. I'm not 100% that's accurate. So take that with a grain of salt. But I have heard that that is possible. Um, the other thing is, if the judge decides to sever the parents' rights, mom or dad can choose to appeal. So maybe they're like, okay, you decided to sever my rights based off of the trial. Well, I'm going to appeal that. They can actually use their lawyer to appeal the judge's decision, and that's going to be another four to six-month process. So even it's crazy because <laughs> let's say your bio family is you know, charged with severance. You're from that severance charge. There could be like a six-month period, but before you hit your severance trial, maybe even longer. And then even after the severance trial, you could look at another six to eight months of not knowing whether severance is really official or not. Like I said, that can change. Like, you know, you could walk into your severance trial and parents could waive rights. Parents could not show up to the severance trial and rights are automatically severed. Or at any time after they've been charged severance, they could just choose to move forward with severance, accept the case plan, and then severance would occur of their rights. So, of course, there are things that could happen that would make it a much shorter process. But once a parent's charged with severance, you're still looking at a possible another year of um, severance, which is crazy. So it's not a short process at all. And I think there's a lot of benefits to that. One it really gives the parents an opportunity to be able to um, turn things around if they're serious about getting their children back and can really make those hard decisions. It also really holds the state accountable for having to have their ducks in a row and the evidence they need to be able to charge the parents with severance. And I think those are two really big and important things. But yeah, it's a mess. And yeah, it goes up and down. And yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, so for us and our family, obviously, we have had um, brother for a little over a year, but he was in care of the state prior to us. Um, he was with another foster family, and then he was moved to our house because his case was actually moving towards severance, and they wanted an adoptive family for him. And the foster family he had been with prior was not willing to adopt. Um, and so we were actually the family that was chosen to receive him as his case was moving to severance and there would possibly need a family to adopt him. So we have only had brother with his case set to severance. Um, and we've had him a little bit over a year and just um, have started a, um, moving into the adoption stage with him, which has been 
really, this last year has been really hard and we've gone up and down with his case as it has gone many different ways. Um, but we are really uh, relieved and comforted to be in the adoption stages with him. Obviously, nothing is final until his actual adoption day, but we've officially received like our adoptions case manager and are working towards completing the paperwork. And so we're super excited to be able to say that um, hopefully in the next three or four months, that brother will be a forever part of our family. It has been such an emotional roller coaster. And if you know us, you know that we've ultimately really just prayed for like God's plan in this and clarity. As you know, it's never a concrete thing. And also there are real people and real families involved. And it's just something that your heart is constantly aching over. So yeah, it's been quite the journey, but we are really feeling excited for the next phase and excited to be in the adoption process. I'm really looking forward to being able to have brother forever. So yeah, that's where we're at. And that's also um, the quick overview on case plans. And if you're a caseworker or if you are a really seasoned foster parent and I messed something up or I missed something uh, with case plan details, message me because I'm very, I like love learning about this stuff. And it has been like one of my favorite things to be educated in this process because it is so fascinating to me. And I feel like there's so much we don't know and don't understand when we're not in the foster world. And so I just think educating people on it is like seriously great. So anyways, that's my Monday episode for you guys. Leave a comment or a review or share this if you enjoyed listening to it. But I'm really loving having you guys tune in. All right. Thanks. And have a good Monday. Thanks.